Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Amen. As you're seated, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. We are continuing our study called The Big Picture. We're trying to look at an overview of the Old Testament, even on into the New Testament. Get get the big picture, get God's perspective on what He's been doing. We're looking at God's purposes, His people, and His principles in the lives of individuals. And we're taking key people throughout Scripture and highlighting their lives and using those lives to teach us some biblical principles for our lives today. So today we look at Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Y'all know that song? Where does that come from? We're going to look at the passage in Genesis chapter 12 about Father Abraham. In this context, in this portion of Scripture, he's still known as Abram. We're going to try to fast forward through uh, his life to where he becomes Abraham and is used of God to demonstrate the grace of our Heavenly Father in giving us a Savior. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house, to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Some have said that this is the place in scripture where everything begins to springboard, that this is the the watershed moment where God sets aside a people for himself, a people who will be that lineage where we will get our Messiah, our Redeemer, where all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I love Abram's response in verse four. Look at this. So Abram went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people he had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the site of Shechem at the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. But the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped him. God speaks to Abram to leave his homeland and to travel to a far-off land that he doesn't know where he's going, a land that God says, I'll show you, Abram, and when he gets there, he reminds Abram, Abram, this is the place, this is the land, and here's my promise to you. All through these passages of Scripture, all through these chapters that we're going to work through today, God repeatedly confirms and reaffirms that covenant with Abram, that Abram, I've called you out, I'm going to make a great people from your family, and I'm going to bless you and give you this land. If you would, fast forward to me with me. We're going to go all the way to chapter 22, all right? 
We're going to skip where uh, Abram goes to Egypt and he kind of falters a little bit in his faith and then he returns to Canaan and he separates from his nephew Lot and gives his Lot a, uh, his nephew Lot uh, the best land and we'll look at that in a moment. Then where he has to go and rescue Lot who has been captured by some kings who have, um, who have plundered Sodom and Gomorrah. Then there's a section in chapter 15 where the covenant is reaffirmed and confirmed with Abram. Then Sarah's scheme that, that God says, I'm going to give you an heir, and, and God, in their old age, God hasn't given them one. So Sarah and Abram come up with this scheme to put Abram's handmaid in there and to let her bear a son. And, and we have Ishmael is born, and God again confirms a covenant with Abram. And then we have the story in chapter, 17, uh, chapter 18 and 19 where, you know, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot being there and Abram praying that God would spare that, that, those cities. And we have Abram's faltering of his faith again in chapter 20. And then the birth of the promised one, Isaac, that heir who is going to be the one that will bless, the, the nations will come from that heir, Isaac. And then we get to chapter 22. That was a good fast forward, wasn't it? Go home and tell those of you that are visiting. Our pastor went through all those chapters in Genesis in just 20 minutes. Look at verse 20, chapter 22. Beginning in verse 1, after God had worked all that in Abram's life, he's now Abraham. God's confirmed the covenant with him. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here am I, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the, one mountain, on the mountains, one of the mountains I will tell you about. So early in the morning, Abraham saddled up, got up, saddled his donkey, took with him two young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering, and he set out to go to the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go, over, will go there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. I just love that. Abraham's trusting God here. God says, I want you to offer your only son to me as an offering. And Abraham knows God's going to work it all out and they're going to be able to come back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And in his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife and the men walked together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, Isaac knew they were going up to offer an offering. He was familiar with that habit, that, that custom, that tradition that they did as they worshiped God. But he's looking around for the animal. He says, I, I'm ready. We have the burnt offering. But where's the lamb? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. Can you imagine what's going on in Abraham's heart and mind at this moment? He's being obedient. He's taking his son. He knows God is sovereign and God is in control but he's trusting God completely here. Where did I stop? Verse 8, 9. When they arrived at the place that God told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. What's going through Isaac's mind here? Man. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But... Well, that's an important word in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Wow. What faith Abraham had. The Bible says in Hebrews, he, he was a man of faith. By faith, he trusted in his heavenly father. Well, let's look at four points of application from Abraham's life as we look at all of these chapters compressed together and, and make application for us today because we see it clearly in his life. Number one, listen when God speaks. The first thing that I need to do, if I'm to be a person of faith, if I'm to be a, a follower of Christ, like Abraham was a follower of God, I need to listen when God speaks. Back to chapter 12. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land. So God says go. Look at verse 4. So Abram went. I'm not sure how long it took for Abram to come to that place as God explained the blessings and the cursing and how God was going to use him to bless the nations and he would be blessed for him to get to that verse 4, but he did it. He listened. When God said, I want you to go, Abram went. Jump with me to chapter 22. We're going to be going back and forth between these two, okay? In chapter 22, verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here am I, he answered. Now, if we were to spend a lot of time looking at chapter 12 through 22, we would see that Abraham sometimes got in there and tried to take things into his own hands, where he wasn't always perfect. I can relate to that, can you? That's something about these men in the Bible uh, and women in the Bible. You know that God gave us his word that men and women didn't make this up. Because if they were going to make up a person for us to follow, they sure would have put all those warts and stuff in there. But Abram wasn't always faithful, but he did when it, when it counted. He listened to God. I think that as he went from chapter 12 to chapter 22, even though he wasn't tracking through those chapters, as he was living it, he was learning to listen to his heavenly father, to listen to God's voice. I tell you what, I, I know that Isaac was glad that he listened to God's voice. Because right at that moment in chapter 22, where he's offering his son, God speaks from heaven and says, Stop. Wait, don't follow through on that because now I know that you trust me. We need to learn to listen when God speaks. I don't know about you, but I've never heard God's voice audibly. I've never heard him say, Kevin, listen to this one. It's me this time. Usually there's that, that, that just still small voice, that inner prompting in my heart. And, and I sense it's God leading me. And, and if I wonder, God, is this me or is this you or is this something else? I go to the word of God and I compare what I'm hearing in my heart to what God's word says. And then I see also what God's word says and what I'm hearing in my heart. And I look at, at the circumstances of my life. Is God doing some things with the circumstances of my life? And then I begin to talk to other believers, people who know me, people who understand me. And I listen to what they're saying. And then I look for the peace of God in my prayer life. And when all those things begin to line up, I'm pretty confident God is speaking. Does that make sense? It's not a matter of saying, there's an open door, here I go, it must be God. Folks, the, the enemy, Satan himself, can open doors. 
So an open door doesn't mean it's always God. Just because I think I felt something in my, in my heart doesn't mean it's God. But when all those things begin to line up and I have a peace in my prayer life and scripture lines up with that, and when I hear from other believers, I can know God is speaking. And I can move ahead with confidence. Listen when God speaks. When my son was little, he used to try to get my attention like some of you try to do every week. And I was the same as a dad as I am here. Sometimes I just get my brain, you know, and I'm going this way. I'm thinking about something else, and you kind of say, hi, pastor. Oh, well, maybe he didn't hear me. And try to get my attention, and I'm focused. Well, I would get that way with my son, and, and he would climb up in my lap, and he would grab my face. I'd be talking to someone, and he would pull my face in line with his face and say, daddy. And he always got my undivided attention when he did that. Isn't it a shame he had to do that? I'm glad he did. Glad he did. Sometimes God has to do that with us. He has to just kind of climb up where you are and meet you where you are and, and grab you and, and turn your face into his face. And it may be through the word. It may be through a circumstance of your life. It may be through a crisis. It may be through a blessing. But, but God gets your attention and he places his hand on your face and, and he says, listen to me. You know what you need to do? This is a no-brainer class. You need to listen. What's God doing in your life right now where he's saying, my child, will you listen to me? Is he speaking to you like he did to Abram? Get up and go? Is he speaking to you like he did to some where he said, I want you to stay? Is he speaking to you and saying, I want you to step out in faith and trust me? What's God saying to you? I know from Abram's life, I need to listen when God speaks. Number two, I need to be willing to leave it all behind. Be willing to leave it all behind. Back in chapter 12, the Bible gives us some detail that he, in verse four, that he went with his nephew and, and his wife and his possessions and all they had acquired, all his stuff, and he went where God was leading him. Go out from your land to a place I will show you. How many of you have felt God's promptings to go or to do or to respond where you really didn't know where it was leading, but you did it anyway? It's a bunch of us. Isn't it interesting how God works that way? How God doesn't draw out a map for you and show you all the circumstances of your life ahead of time? I'm kind of glad he didn't do that because I might not have followed him but God just says, I want you to trust me. Take that baby step of trust and obedience. Listen, when God speaks, be willing to leave it all behind. He was willing to, to leave his, his homeland in chapter 12. In chapter 22, he was willing to, to leave uh, his only son in God's hands. Be willing to leave it all behind. We have folks in our church that, that have done that. Some have gone on to other ministries. Some have felt called to go into a marketplace ministry where they're serving God by traveling. The Redmonds in our church left their family of many and went to Thailand to serve. The Kennedys are in our church. They've gone to Thailand to serve. They, they, it was so fun to watch them sell all their stuff and, and to give up their pets that they cherished like they were their own kids. They said, God's called us to go overseas. We're going to get rid of it all, being willing to leave it all behind. We just spent a week in Wyoming with Zachary and Amber Edwards, and they were uh, Texans. 
That's all they knew. Born and raised here. And God called them to go to Wyoming. And it's a long way away. And the climate is different. Really different. We were up there this last week and there was one of the roads was closed because of snow. We were climbing and playing in the snow last week when it was very hot here. Different climate, but different people. Far away. And here's what Zachary and Amber have said. God has called us to leave our comfort zone and to go someplace where people need the Lord. What's God calling you to do? I think it's interesting as you go through scripture, often God challenges those people in the word to leave it all behind, to give it up, but he doesn't really require them to give it up, just like Abram. Maybe God's calling you to be willing to go. I've been there in my life where I've said, God, I'll go do that, and it never happened. And I'm wondering, okay, God, I don't understand. I told you I was willing to go and do that. Why haven't you made it happen? And I get that prompting in my spirit again. Kevin, I just wanted to know that you were willing to go. Be willing to go and leave it all behind. Number three, surrender your best to God. Surrender your best to God. Now, in chapter 22, it says, God said, take your son your only son, the one who was born to you and Sarah, your only son who's to be the heir. Take your one and only son and offer him up to me. He stresses that. Surrender your best to God. But I think it's interesting is just look at chapter 13 with me. We didn't read that, but just to pull out a couple of verses, verse 8 and 9 in in chapter 13. When Abram got into the land there and, and was about to take possession The Bible says, Abram said to Lot in verse 8, please, let's not have quarreling between you and me because both of their families were growing so much there there was a competition in the ranks. He said, or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives, isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Can I paraphrase this for you? Abram gets to the land with all this power and wealth and he says to his nephew Lot, I'm willing to yield to you. And let you have the best. I'm willing to give the best up. Because I'm trusting God. God knows what's best. And then you get to chapter 22. And God says, Abraham, I want you to give your only son. And and Abraham's already learned. He's already experienced. When I trust God with my best, he blesses. Are you willing to give God your best? Surrender it to him. Give him your best. Not just your leftovers. We've talked about this before, but uh, in any church in the land, you can find a closet or a classroom with old furniture in it. You know why? Because when people get tired of their furniture, they think, I'll give it to the church. Because it's no use to me anymore. I'm going to go buy a new sofa. I'll give that old one to the church. Or whatever. You just fill in the blank. I'm getting a new one for my family, but I'll let God have what I've got left over. You know what God wants? For you to say, I'll just take whatever I've got, but God, I want to give you my best. That principle is in tithing where we set aside our first fruits to the Lord. The very first we give to him, our very best. Surrendering your best to God. As if God were to ask you to take out a sheet of paper and then a pen and say, I want you to sign your name to that. We just bought a house about a year ago and I, I learned... There's a lot of things you have to sign, and we tried to read what we were signing, or at least ask, what does this mean before we signed it? 
But God kind of says to you, I want you to just sign that blank sheet of paper and then let me fill in the blanks. Are you willing to do that? You say, well, pastor, that's an awful tall order. That's what lordship is all about. God, I don't know what the question is, but my answer is yes. Are you there yet? You want to be there? Okay, well, that's where God's blessing is when we say, God, I give you my best. And number four, trust God even when you cannot see the outcome. Trust God even when you cannot see the outcome. I want you to turn with me in the New Testament, one final passage to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By the way, the book of Hebrews is the best commentary on the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers because it's written to explain what God was up to in those days. So the writer of Hebrews says this, By faith, Abraham When he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs with the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham responded and he trusted God when he couldn't see the outcome. God says, Abraham, I want you to go to a land I'm showing you, and it's that away. Another illustration using my son. He's not here to defend himself, so. Um, when we would get in the car, I don't know what age Kelly noticed this before I did. He wanted to know where we were going. I said, well, we're going to the store. Which store, Dad? Well, we're going to this store. Is that all? Well, we might stop there. Where else could we go? So he wants to know before we pull out of the driveway, all the stops. Okay, son, I'm going to stop and get gas at this gas station. Then I'm going to go to that store, and we're going to get this. Then we're going to go there. Going to... And then he said, okay, I'm fine. We had to tell him ahead of time where we were going. Some of you live your Christian life that way. God, I'm ready, but before I back out of this driveway, I want to know where I'm going. And God says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me even when you can't see the outcome. A few decades ago, corporate training came up with this, or that's where I first saw it, this exercise that you would do for team building. And they would have one person get up on a chair or stand up and fold his or her arms and and then lay back. And what what was expected? There were going to be other people there to catch him or her. Y'all remember that? Has anybody done that? We've done that in team building. And, And so... It sounds like that would be an easy thing to do. You get up there and you fold your arms and you kind of, without looking back, I know they're there, they, they're my friends. You know, they're, I've seen teenagers go like this, but we know they're not going to do that. And, and okay, I'm going to fall back and I hope they're there to catch me. Here I go and you fall back and, and usually they're there to catch you. Yeah. Again, I'm telling you, I've been with teenagers. I've been with teenagers. Nobody ever hit the ground, but you know, there, a lot of this went on. What's the difference in that and going home this afternoon after you eat a good meal, roast beef, mashed potatoes, peas and carrots, maybe corn, some gravy, after you've eaten that meal and you're really full, you ready? What's the difference in you going back into your bedroom 
and standing next to that bed that you've slept in all these days and nights and just falling back into that bed. What's the difference? Well, you fall into that mattress because you know it's there and it's not going anywhere because it's always there. That's the way we need to follow God. Trust him. Tell you what, in the history of mankind, remember we started with Adam and Eve, we're going to work our way all the way to John and the Revelation. In the history of mankind all the way up to today, God has never gone like this. Got you, didn't I? Thought you could trust me, but you couldn't. In the history of mankind, God has always been there. My, my challenge to us today is that we can just rest in him like we would fall back in that mattress that's always been there. Now, we might call it a test of faith, but really and truly, has he ever let anyone down? Never. I don't know what God's calling you to do or to be or to give up or to start or to stop, but you can trust him even when you can't see the outcome. Let's pray together.